0: g Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
1: Phil Yates and Courtney Carter are filling in for the guys on the final show of 2021. Last, before we enter into 2022, Courtney, are you much, I know obviously you and I have each other on Twitter, you do a great job uh, on your Twitter feed. Are you much of a social media person on other apps, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Instagram, et cetera?
2: I have Instagram. Okay. I deactivated my Instagram though for fifteen months. That was called a mental cleanse, wow, and that was that was great. I, I really enjoyed that, and but now I'm back. Okay. I do not do TikTok. I'm not. I'm not. Well, I think I'm too old. I'm 31. No, and I don't really know how to use it. No,
1: no. I, I'm a. I I have a TikTok account. I am a. Pro, I'm a consumer, not a producer of content. Right, because there is so much ridiculousness and.
2: How do they do that? How do the kids put all those videos together where they're there and then they pop up in different clothing a second later?
1: It is ridiculous. It makes no sense to me. We are showing (laughs) our age right now. I like the TikToks for dog content because there's a lot of of great dog content on TikTok. But the reason why I ask about this is that I am preparing myself for a flood of content involving the song 22 by Taylor Swift that we heard on the intro right there. I'm expecting like every TikTok, every reel, every Instagram story, every – Fleets are gone right now, right? Fleets are no longer a thing. Fleets were a thing for a minute. They were a thing
2: on Twitter for like a second. I did it for maybe like
1: a day. Yeah, so no more fleets, but if there still were fleets, they would include the song 22. I just am preparing myself for that mentally. I'm not sure if I am ready for that one, to be honest, though. Let's talk football because it's our bread and butter here and we have a huge weekend in the NFL, Courtney. I suppose that the second to last weekend of the NFL regular season is always a big one, but it feels like even more high stakes than normal. And I am so looking forward to a matchup that we just discussed in four downs briefly, but let's flush it out a little bit more as the Chiefs travel to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. I don't know if you were responsible for going through the NFL schedule back in May when it was released and having oh, yes. to choose like 5 or 7 games you are really looking forward to. I don't think many of us were talking about this game though as being one of the biggest of the year and yet here we are and this feels like a game even if like the Bengals I don't believe have a shot at the number 1 seed in the AFC. Maybe like the Correct. tiniest of tiny shots. But really this is about Winning the AFC North for them, and then also I think the mental side of this. I think this is about if Cincinnati can win once this Sunday against the Chiefs, their mindset is that if we play them again, even if it's in Kansas City, we can do it a second time. Do you agree with
2: that? 100%. And I think to your point of why we didn't look at this game earlier this season and say, yeah, circle this is potentially – where they, they could lock up the AFC North, and that this might be the team, the Cincinnati Bengals. That is that would be the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs come January when they're playing in the postseason. I was skeptical when this team starts out five and two because had we not seen that before, all those years under Marvin Lewis, where he had good teams that were never el- like great or elite, and they would maybe get to the playoffs and then lose in the first round, or you know perennially maybe in that like nine and seven range, you know. That's what we, that's what I thought the Cincinnati Bengals team was because it was the first couple games that we saw where Joe Burrow was fully healthy. First couple that we'd seen since he injured his knee in his rookie season. So I was kind of pause putting the pause on that. But right away, you see Jamar Chase explode onto the rookie scene, like doing exactly what Justin Jefferson did in 2020. Chase was, you know, chasing, chasing him all year and then I saw how Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon were all kind of coming together within this offense. And on top of that, a secondary that's gone through a lot of changes in the last few years actually had like a pretty formidable approach to, to who they were playing. So I think now, all these months later... And after what we've seen from Joe Burrow this probably three, four-game stretch that he's played and coming off of the 525 passing yard performance against the Ravens, that's now why this game matters so so much when we're talking about playoff implications in a team that could, you know, railroad Kansas City's chances of getting, of, you know, getting deep in the playoffs this year in the AFC.
1: Well, 525 passing yards not only puts you into the history books fourth most in a single game in NFL history. It also helps people who have been on their fantasy team. Mm-hmm. It also, also breathes new life into your reputation amongst defensive coaches. Here's what Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo had to say about Joe Burrow and who he
3: reminds him of. This may sound crazy, but I see a young Tom Brady. This guy does everything. He does not look like a second-year quarterback that missed a lot of his first year. Totally impressed with him. Began the meeting on Tuesday. You know, we were just finishing up on the last game, but began the meeting talking about Joe because I think he's that good. All the weapons we've talked about and all that, uh, but you got to have a quarterback that can get it done, and he really does. Uh, we've got to try to find out some ways to make him uncomfortable. Uh, easier said than done.
1: So, Courtney, I will say this. I don't think Steve Spagnuolo, who's been around the game for a long time, won Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator, has coached plenty of great defensive players and faced plenty of great quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. I don't think he is trying to gas Joe Burrow up to the point that he's saying Joe Burrow is already Tom Brady. I think the parallel is that with Tom Brady, I mean, he does a million different things well. But one of the things he does especially well is that he never forces the issue. Tom Brady simply takes what the defense gives him, which is like this old, tired football cliché. But sometimes when we I I, I was actually been thinking about this a lot recently is sometimes we try to dive deep and think of these great points that no one else has thought of about why a team will win or why a team will lose. And then simply what it usually comes down to is some fundamentals of football. I always talk about like you don't turn the football over and you do a pretty good job on third down on offense and defense you're probably going to win the game. So with Joe Burrow, I understand there are a lot of things he does really well. Mm -hmm. But if you start with the simple premise of finding the open guy, like that to me more often than not is going to be a winning formula for a quarterback, and Joe has seemingly done that so many times. Now, I feel like sometimes what also happens is you have a 525-yard game and the rhetoric about where you rank amongst quarterbacks gets a little bit out of whack. I am a person who doesn't feel the need to constantly rank and re-rank quarterbacks. I sort of tier them. Ultimately, I believe Joe Burrow is a quarterback that you can certainly win with and perhaps can be the tide uh, that sort of floats everybody else up as well. But what would a win on Sunday in your mind do for the perception of Joe Burrow relative to other great quarterbacks around the NFL?
2: Well, the conversation right now this year has been Burrow versus Herbert. Who would you build a franchise around? They both had really, really good seasons. The Chargers have been kind of up and down. Some of that's on Herbert. Some of it's not. But as it pertains to Burrow and it pertains to what the rhetoric's going to be coming out of week 16, excuse me, week 17, going into the final week of the season, it's that Joe Burrow followed up and didn't lay an egg against the Kansas City Chiefs, if they are able to win and it's not in spite of the offense, if he's able to have a really good game against that pass defense, which came on really strong this season after a pretty slow start, that puts him into the conversation, not an MVP conversation, but that that puts him in the mix of, hey... This is a top ten quarterback because statistically speaking, yeah, he's got less than two years of experience in the NFL, but he's six in passing yards, second in completion percentage, leads the NFL in yards per pass attempt, he's second in passer rating. Those are all the marks of a top ten quarterback, just to sit statistically speaking. But he's efficient too. Short passes, he's thrown the second most passes of forty yards or more in the NFL. Like you get the whole package with him. It's not like he's this one-trick pony or he does one or two things really well. He does a lot of things really well, which is like, you know, I think part of this has to do with how he came into the league and when he came into the league. Like, he was a pretty experienced, he was an older quarterback by the time that he got to the NFL because of how many years he had played college football. IQ, competitiveness, understanding of the game, understanding of all the other positions on the offense, That stuff that benefits Joe Burrow that he brought into the NFL, now has you know less than two years experience. He's probably ahead of where some of the other guys who started as rookies, like himself, but had less experience to boot. That's why I think he's somebody who could very easily rise into that top ten conversation based on what happens against Kansas City. But Field, you'd be hard-pressed to find. There are a lot of people who think he's already there.
1: He's certainly making a mark, and that much is for certain, as he did at the college level. Remember a couple of years ago, Joe Burrow was playing in the college football playoff. And a reminder, the college football playoff is here. Tune in today for the college football semifinals, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, followed by the Capital One Orange Bowl. Coverage begins at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app big ben should retire like go back in and say man i quit
2: i will say that this news did not surprise me that big ben is mulling his retirement thinking about you know the end of his career the guy's 39 years old not doing the graceful aging that tom brady's doing
1: As we all heard, Ben Roethlisberger has said that signs point towards Monday night being his final regular season home game in Pittsburgh. And for more perspective, we should go to somebody who is an authority in all things Pittsburgh Steelers football, Jerry Dulac, who is kind enough to join us here on the uh, Goodyear Hotline. Jerry, good morning to you. And yesterday, Ben Roethlisberger made semi-official what I think a lot of us were expecting, which is that Monday night could very well be his final game as a Pittsburgh Steeler during the regular season at home, as you think back on on Ben's career, how do you sort of, what is the legacy of Ben Roethlisberger entail in Pittsburgh?
0: Well, field and Courtney, good morning. Um, I don't think there's any question. What, you know, when you look at, uh, first of all, the length of his career, 18 years, I mean, Mike Webster played 15 years. That's the next closest guy to him. And, You know, three Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl wins, 162 regular season victories. Um, You know, he ranks top five in in uh, uh, victories and passing yards. Uh, He's eighth in touchdowns. He could still move up to sixth. Um, When you when you look at his success and and what he did, uh, you know, turning that. Franchise around after that little lull in the, in the uh, 80s. You know, there was some success, but not like they had in the 70s. Uh, but, you know, the ability to continue that set, uh, turn that success around and then continue it basically from when he came 04, 05, uh, win a Super Bowl, 08, win a Super Bowl, 10, go back to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't think there's any question he will rank up there, and this is saying a lot because you're looking at one of the great franchises with tons of uh, Hall of Famers since the 70s. He'll rank up there, uh, you know, with uh, with many of those greats uh, because of what he was able to do. I think it's a, you know it's a little bit of a shame that the final year, not that it's tarnished, but that he had to uh, you know play behind an offensive line that's not very good, Uh, you know, play in a system, a new system with new terminology, with a new coordinator, with with four rookies, starters. Um, You know, it's been a difficult year, let's face it. But when you look at their seven victories, six of them were because Ben had fourth-quarter game-winning drives, and that's that's his signature. You know, only Brady and Manning have more fourth-quarter drives, and that's just by one or two, uh, you know, comeback drives in their career. And and that that's what Ben did best, uh, you know, because he fought till the end and he never gave up. So, um, I you know he'll he'll be remembered among the greats in a franchise that has many greats.
2: Jerry, we do all of this looking back when somebody's about ready to retire, and we felt like this with Ben Roethlisberger for quite some time. We know that it's about to. Happen, or at least he's hedging. I know he's saying all these things that it probably could potentially maybe be my last game, blah blah blah. But um, as somebody who's covered this team for so long and seen so many moments from Ben Roethlisberger, do you have either like a top three or any sort of power ranking that you do of the best moments you've seen with Roethlisberger under center?
0: Yeah, you, you know, Courtney, I'm kind of like Ben in that regard. I haven't thought about it yet. He was asked that yesterday, he says, you know, he'll he'll have a time for reflection. Uh, uh, later, um, You know, uh, I, I, I can't offhand, but, uh, it, you know, I, I if I had to say uh, number one, uh, it would be the touchdown pass to San Antonio Holmes in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I remember Bruce Arians, as, as great as that catch was, I remember Bruce Arians telling me after the game, he said, he goes, the throw was even better. And and when you look at that play and when you look at that throw, it really is incredible. Uh, and so, because of the magnitude of the moment, uh, I would say, uh, you know, immediately and probably in retrospect, um, that one would be number one. I, I, you know, another one that I've always told people, not that I rank it above my great moments, but one of the things that I think epitomizes Ben Roethlisberger and his toughness, and and you know, but the people who take care of him physically have always told me, they said, he is, he is a warrior. He is one tough hombre. People don't realize the things he plays with. I know people, uh, you know, kind of get on him because they say, you know, he he talks too much about his injuries. This guy, this guy takes a lot of abuse, but uh, there was a, I, there was one day in the locker room during the week, Wednesday, Thursday, he's walking through, he has big ice pack on his knee. He has a big ice pack on his shoulder he has a black eye from the from a broken nose, I think, from Nada, and he's kind of limping through the Roethlisberger and I uh, through the locker room. And I said to him, I said, "You're doing okay." He said, "Yeah, I should get a place on He goes, "Oh yeah," and it reminded me of that scene from uh, Monty Python where they cut the guy's arms and legs off, and he's still wanting to fight. And that was Ben. He used to, you know, nothing was going to uh, nothing was going to hold him back. And and I I always remember that because I think it epitomizes how tough the guy is. And and the amount of injuries he played through.
1: We're talking to Jerry Dulak who does a great job covering the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. And Jerry, I know that there's still season left, and Ben noted, like this is my likely last regular season game. There's still a chance that we could have a postseason game in Pittsburgh, but so I'm not trying to put the uh put the nail in the coffin for the twenty twenty one season, but I think inevitably there is a part of this conversation that is about looking ahead. As you examine the Steelers' options for 2022, how do you imagine this team will approach the quarterback spot for next year? Do you think the desire would be to start fresh with a young quarterback that could be their next potential Ben Roethlisberger, or might they be more inclined to find a veteran as it seems like there could be a handful of notable and talented veterans available this offseason?
0: You know, Field, uh, as of right now, I think their plan is to – go with Mason Rudolph they brought in Dwayne Haskins last year uh excuse me this year and I think the idea was you know after what they saw in the preseason let's see how he maybe develops uh quote matures um and 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 you know I wouldn't be at all surprised if come next year that if they like what they see that Dwayne Haskins will be in the conversation to be that guy. But I think the plan right now is to go with Mason Rudolph. I don't see them drafting a quarterback because one, they won't be in position to get one of the top ones. And two, I'm not so sure there's a top one out there. Mm. If you will, you know, as well as I, how the NFL over evaluates and reaches for quarterbacks. Um, I don't think they, they would do that. Um, I don't know that they feel this way, but I've had this conversation, uh, uh, you know, with a, with another NFL head coach and, um, you know, they. I I look and he looked as well at, at Mason Rudolph as Neil O'Donnell, um, a guy who's not going to make a lot of mistakes, but he's not going to you know make a lot of uh, you know flashy great throws. He's not a gunslinger like Ben, but you know with the right defense, you can win ten games with him. But you're always looking for somebody better, and I think that's probably the way they are going to approach it. You know, when Mason Rudolph has played and started games, they've won games. And I think that's the way they're going to go. I, th- it's not in their uh, DNA to go out. First of all, they've never um, really invested a lot of money at all in any t- brought in any type of quarterback. I could see them bringing in, because you're going to lose a quarterback, I could see them bringing in a veteran as a potential backup. Um, but I-, I just don't see them going the route of a, high-priced free agents, certainly not Aaron Rodgers, not Matt Ryan. The one that would make sense to me if they could do it would be, uh, you know, and be inclined to do it is Russell Wilson because you'd get six more years out of him, I think. But I just don't don't see them going that route.
2: Jerry, they have the 15th – currently they have the 15th pick in the 2022 NFL draft. We know that they have a lot of needs, cornerback, interior of the offensive line, quarterback too I mean how do you think that they have to besides the quarterback position no matter who's under center for them like where do they start in the NFL draft in trying to rebuild this team so they can contend
0: well Courtney I I don't think there's any question when you look at their lines of scrimmage um, that's the biggest weakness on this football team Um, you know uh, okay they have two rookie starters uh, on the offensive line but to me they need to go into free agency and then uh, in uh, for the offensive line, and then the draft, and they need to address the defensive line. look, they played with Ostefan to it and Tyson Alualu alu um all year basically um cam Hayward is uh, thirty three um alu going to be thirty five I believe if uh, if he comes back next year, which he should um but they have not addressed that line basically. Since uh, Stefan Toot was a second round pick in 2014, they've had only one pick uh, above the fifth round since then, and they've just let that position go. Uh, and so the people they have playing there are, uh, you know, it, the, the quality of depth has been exposed this year. And so I don't really care who the quarterback is. And this is the problem, part of the problem Ben had this year. If that if those lines of scrimmage aren't any good, you could see their run defense being gouged. You know, prior to last week, in six of their previous seven games, they had allowed 194 uh, yards uh, rushing on average, and that's you know that's not only alarming, that's pathetic for a franchise that prides itself on uh, and always has on stopping the run. Um, So to me, those lines of scrimmage need to be bolstered uh, first and foremost if they want to go forward because. Uh, that's been their biggest weakness this year. And, um, I, you know, again, I don't care who's behind quarterback. If those scrimmage lines aren't better, they're they're still going to have problems.
1: He's the great Jerry Dulak who joins us here this morning on Keyshawn J. Will in Max. He covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with excellent insight on Ben Roethlisberger and all things Steelers football. Jerry, enjoy Monday night. Should be a spirited atmosphere. And Happy New Year to you and yours.
0: Yeah, Field Courtney. Thank you, and happy New Year to you too.
1: Thank you so much. We appreciate Jared and all of our guests who have joined us on the Good Year Hotline. We've got a huge matchup in Miami, and all eyes will be on the coaches. We'll tell you why. That's next here on Keyshawn, J Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel Eighty. Keyshawn, J Will, and Max, the podcast. Back here on Keyshawn J. Will and Max and time for us to head out to the Goodyear hotline where my friend Booger McFarland joins us on the Goodyear hotline and Booger is on site today for a massive massive college football playoff game Michigan and Georgia number two and number three. Booger, good morning, my friend. Hope you got six donuts for breakfast. Let me ask you a question about Jim Harbaugh and his legacy and what today would mean for it. A win today would be one of the biggest in program history in a while for Michigan. What does it mean for Jim Harbaugh if they find a way to win today?
5: Yeah, I don't know if it changes his legacy, Phil. I mean, as far as him being able to – you know, win a, a semifinal game. I think if he's able to get to a, and win a championship game, then I think his legacy changes. I mean, he's not at a program in Michigan that's used to, uh, you know, just playing for you know second place or, or, or just participation. They want to win. And so, um, although I think this is big for Michigan, I, I don't think this does anything really to change his legacy. Because if the, if you win this game and lose the next one, then what really has he won?
2: They were 2-4 and four last year, and it felt like at that point, the Jim Harbaugh era was about to come to an end. And then everything that happens this year, they finally beat Ohio State. They win the Big Ten championship. How impressive do you think this year's turnaround has been through that lens?
5: Yeah, it's been super impressive. And I, I think you first have to give a, a big kudos to the Michigan administration because you mentioned them being 2-4, and four, and they had every opportunity to get rid of Jim Harbaugh, but they stuck with him. And then you have to give Jim Harbaugh credit because he changed up the staff, uh, brought in some new blood. And and everything is kind of gelled and meshed together this year. And, you know, it's just a classic lesson of patience and and perseverance by uh, a coach, by a team. And the reward is they get a chance to play for a spot um, in the college football final uh, in Indianapolis today. And, you know, it's, it's just another another step for his program that I think ultimately when they hire Jim Harbaugh, this is what they expected. And it's just taken a little while to get to.
1: Boogie, the last time we saw Georgia on the field, they allowed 41 points to Alabama after being one of the most dominant defenses college football has ever seen during the regular season. Which Bulldogs defense do you expect to show up today?
5: Well, I think we're going to see the one that, that we saw all year long Phil, because this is kind of the – Style that they're used to seeing. This is a a rough, tough, uh, rugged Michigan football team that likes to run the football. I mean, they average about 450 yards a game offensively. Half of that is on the ground. Well, that's right where Georgia wants to play, in between the tackles, running the football. So I think we'll see a really, really good Georgia defense. I don't know if it'll be enough to win, but I do know this is going to be a low-scoring affair, which I think is going to – it may turn off some people because everyone wants to see what we saw – between Purdue and Tennessee yesterday. I think this is going to be one of the great football games of the year. It just may look a little differently because you're going to have two really good teams that are physical and can play defense.
2: Do you think it's fair to say that no other team in the college football playoff has more momentum at this point than Michigan?
5: Yeah, it's fair, but they haven't played in three weeks. So what kind of – I mean, what does momentum really do when you haven't played in – know two and a half three weeks so uh, i think you can throw momentum out of the window and i think you're gonna have to look at which team comes out and is ready to play and kind of jump start their engines especially when you've had the long layoff
1: Boog, i just can't wait to see this matchup later on today but if we between both teams but as we sort of like focus on just like an individual matchup is there the equivalent of what we expect to see between Jamison Williams and Sauce Gardner later in the Alabama-Cincinnati matchup that might be on that same level between Michigan and Georgia?
5: Yeah, well, I I think you got to just look at the the, the Georgia defensive front led by Jordan Davis against this Michigan offensive line. Uh, I mean, we could go whether it's going to be the center and guard, double team, and Davis, whether it's going to be that same combination climbing up to N'Kobe Dean, who's a linebacker, I mean, we can go a lot of different directions, but that interior matchup with those guys. So for all the, the faint of heart feel, what I would say is just let them follow the ball. But if you really want to see some, some big-time football, you watch that interior uh, of the line of scrimmage on offense and defense, and, and don't even follow the ball. Just watch what happens amongst those guys, and that will tell you who's going this thing.
2: Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for Georgia, talked earlier this week about the JT Daniels situation and just kind of how he hasn't been able to play him, like what the situation that's been with Stetson Bennett. But he has him in his back pocket, and maybe that was a wrinkle that he, didn't, that he held back in the SEC championship game that they lost to Alabama. Do you think that that adds another layer, another element that could help this Georgia offense against Michigan? And do you think we see him maybe in some packages tonight?
5: I I don't think you see him. I I think Kirby had every opportunity to do that in Atlanta and he didn't do it. Um, Now with three weeks off, do you come back and do you do it now? I doubt it. I I think Kirby's hell bent on playing with JT and he's going to win or lose with him. And, um, you know, hopefully for him, because you never want to see a coach of Kirby's caliber get second guess, hopefully for him it's a win
1: conversely book Michigan has made it work with two quarterbacks obviously Caden McNamara is their starter but they've made it work with not quite a platoon but multiple quarterbacks do you expect to see more of the same tonight from Michigan who obviously played their best offensive football in the final two games of the regular season
5: Yeah but that's their plan though like Michigan has always uh played two quarterbacks and you know McCarthy knows what his role is especially he he's kind of like uh, the, the secondary pitch or maybe the third pitch uh, he's the change up of the cutter he's going to come in and it's going to be a little dual threat action but he can throw the football also but you know they a primary guy they're going to live or die with McNamara and his ability uh, to play action pass and hit schoolmaker across the middle and, and throw the football deep uh, he's got to be accurate when he does throw it he's also got him when they get him on the edge some of the bootleg game he's also got to make good decisions there but for Michigan, it's been a two-quarterback system all year long, and it'll continue to be.
2: There's a lot of storylines on the field, but also between the two head coaches, including who's under more pressure today, in your opinion. Is it Jim Harbaugh or is it Kirby Smart?
5: Um, that's a tough one to say, who's under more pressure. Um, I, if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean toward Kirby uh, because, you know, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, he, he's gotten them to the playoffs not saying they're satisfied, but this is a big step. Like, Kirby's had Georgia uh, in relevance for a while. Like, they've they've played in in a a championship game. They've been to the playoffs. Like, they've hovered around number one, number two for a long, long time. So I think for him to kind of get to the the championship game again and see if he can avenge that loss to Alabama a few years ago, I think it's big. So if I had to lean one way, I would lean toward Kirby.
1: All right, Bug, enough of all this football talk. Let's get to the important stuff. How long are you on the bike for this morning on the Peloton?
5: You know, man, it's, it's crazy because they don't have one at our hotel. Oh, so I haven't been able bug. to do it. Mm. And, so, and I mean, right now I'm jonesing, oh. man. Like I'm really just sitting here shaking right now because when, when I don't get my bike in, I, there's a lack of energy. There's a lack of uh, appetite so needless to say I'm I'm looking forward to getting back on it.
1: Wow Boog well here I am just getting my gains in all week thinking that I was competing with you and instead I'm competing against nobody but myself. We love our friend Booger McFarlane he joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. Boog enjoy the games today should be a great Friday of college football. Happy New Year. Same to you pal later. All right we'll talk to Booger McFarlane again sometime soon. The great Booger McFarlane you see him on college football coverage you see him on Sunday, NFL primetime, him and Boomer, it is an absolute must-watch on ESPN+. And a reminder, the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. So, we have the college football playoff taking place later on today, and there's an NFL tie. As we'll tell you why certain NFL teams might be rooting for Michigan to win the national championship. Keyshawn, J. Will, and
4: Max, the podcast.
3: to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike.
1: Back on Keyshawn, J. Will Max on ESPN Radio. I tried to say the name of the show while keeping up with the beat. I tried unsuccessfully. Field Yates and Courtney Cronin hanging out with you until, let's see, 10 a.m. Eastern time, final day of the show of 2021. A time now for a game of Take It or Shake It, and for that, we throw it once again to
6: Evan. Yeah, I'm not sure Field knows the rules. Like, we went over this in the break, but, but I'm <laughs> we'll going to go over them on air so that everybody knows that as the producer of the show, I did my job in setting you up for success. So, I'm going to read Jeez. a statement. Field or Courtney, whoever I say goes first, will say take it or shake it. Then the control room will yell, take it or shake it. Do we all understand the rules? No. Nope. Can you say them one more time? Nope. I Let's try like it. Here we go. You know what? The best way to the best way to get through it is just to practice. So we're just going to go for it. Here we go. Sunday will be Russell Wilson's last home game with the Seahawks. Take it or shake it, Courtney. Take it. Take, Take it. it.
2: Take we it. know. We know. Wait, am I supposed to explain now? Yes. Maybe I wasn't listening. To the no, rules. Yes. please explain. <laughs> I mean, we know that he's been out of there mentally for some time, in spite of what he said. His agent leaked three teams that he wanted to go to last year, Giants, Saints, and the Denver Broncos. I think it's all but a foregone conclusion that Russ is done in Seattle. He probably should have been done last year, but bygones are bygones, and this will be his last game in Seattle.
1: I'm taking it as well, Courtney. You're so right. I mean, Russ, Russell Wilson has – Done a lot of things, right? He's an incredible player. He's had an incredible job in Seattle for so, so long. I think what's evident to me is what Russ does not want to do is be the bad guy right now, right? He doesn't want to be the person that seemingly forces his way out of town. If there's a way to do so politely, that's the way that Russell Wilson will approach this situation. I'm taking it as well.
6: All right, you guys did great. We're going to keep this going. Georgia has more pressure. Georgia, not Kirby Smart, but Georgia has more pressure than any other school to win the national championship. Take it or shake it, Field.
1: I'm going to shake it because shake if, it. if the if the question was, does Kirby Smart have more pressure than any other coach, I might answer that the answer is Kirby, and I would take it. But, like, Georgia as an institution, like, they'll be back at some point, right? Like, there's way too much talent down there. There's way too much talent coming in. They're way too loaded this year. They will be again next year. Like, there is pressure, but not an insurmountable amount of pressure.
2: I'll take it. Why? Because, um... I mean, this is a down year in the SEC, right? Like Alabama is not the Alabama of old. So if you want your window to be now, take advantage of it. Win the national championship. Yeah, Michigan's a really good football team. So it's not like you have your usual matchup where it's this SEC dominance versus a Big Ten team that you know in the end is not going to be able to hold a candle to you. So I think that this is your chance. This is your this is your window right now. And I'm I know that you said not Kirby Smart. And more, just like the Georgia Bulldogs themselves, I'm kind of lumping it on, lumping it in altogether, kind of playing by my own rules here. So uh, I'm going to take it.
6: All right, and the other match, and the other coach in that matchup is Jim Harbaugh. We teased that a bunch of NFL teams are rooting for Michigan to win it all. Here's why: Jim Harbaugh will return to the NFL after the season. Courtney, take it or shake it.
2: Shake it. Shit. Shake it. So. I know last year there were five teams that reportedly had interest in Harbaugh returning to the NFL, and nothing came to fruition from that. They were 2-4 and four last season. He had an opportunity to potentially explore those waters. He came back to Michigan. At this point, I think he doesn't have much left to prove this year, whether they win or lose tonight. Like I firmly believe that the, more of the pressure is on Kirby Smart. Jim Harbaugh did two things this year. At Michigan that set him up for the future. He beat Ohio State and he won a Big Ten championship game. I don't think he wants to go back to the NFL and have to start all over again. I mean, yes, he was a successful coach and got to a Super Bowl with the 49ers. Um, And are we also sure? Yes, he does have NFL experience. Are we sure that like any college coach is going to get a job in the NFL this year? Maybe he's the outlier. I don't know, but yeah. I, I don't think so.
1: I will I will take it, actually, and the reason why is that he would be the outlier in the sense that like, he is, yes, a college coach right now, but obviously he has NFL experience. And I just got to say, like, it feels like unfulfilled, unfinished business for Jim Harbaugh, right? It seems to me that if he had his druthers, he would be an NFL head coach. And not that his stock has not been up in previous years because Courtney noted how teams have had interest in the past, it just feels like if they win the national championship, what more is there for Jim Harbaugh to accomplish at Michigan? He could do it again, certainly, but he would be at the mountaintop of college football and no better time to go back to the NFL where he has a chance to finish what he had started with the 49
6: And he could never beat Urban in college. You wonder if he wants to prove that Ooh. he could win in the NFL something Ooh, Urban? Ooh, spicy. I like do. it. I like it a lot. All right, maybe this is one of the openings. Courtney, the Vikings will have the... Potentially most appealing head coach opening. So if it opens, it will be the most appealing. Take it or take it. it.
2: Take it all the way. Take, take it. it. They have a great ownership group that has spent millions on facilities to entice free agents, to make the players there happy. They're willing to spend and give you what you need to succeed. They've also been very patient with head coaches. They haven't had that many in their 16-year tenure of owning the team. They just, you know, Mike Zimmer's been there for eight years. On top of that, you have a very talented roster. Yeah, it hasn't panned out defensively this year, but you have pieces that you can continue to build around with this Vikings team. You have Justin Jefferson, like the greatest receiver ever, right? Like, I mean, potentially, someday, maybe. I mean, he's breaking all these records for the Minnesota Vikings, records that Randy Moss had you have an offense. You have pieces on the defense. Now, can you figure out the quarterback position? Like, that's the only thing that's kind of the hiccup in this because either Kirk Cousins is a part of your future on an extended deal to get that cap number down so you're not, like, you know, t- hands be- tied, be- tied behind your back in 2022 with what you want to do on other areas of the roster. Or do you trade him and you potentially rebuild and you're a head coach coming in, you get to pick your quarterback whenever that is, and you can still build around the team in the near future and try to get them back into contention maybe like two to three years away. So I think it's a great opening.
1: I'm going to take it as well, and here's the reason why. Coaches lack patience. They really do. I mean, Urban Meyer grew impatient after like six minutes on the job in Jacksonville, right? So we can always talk about how like the future is bright. It might just be two or three years from now. With Minnesota, I understand that Courtney appropriately noted that Kirk Cousins might be the hiccup in the plan, but this is also a team that plays, like, every game they play, they're in it. Like, they could easily be, what, 10-5 and and ten and 5 right now, right? Easily. With some better fortune and better kicking, I think take it, because this team is close to having a chance, and especially, especially if Aaron Rodgers is traded this offseason.
6: All right, I know some Vikings fans would love to get the Steelers coach, but sorry, Mike Tomlin will not be available this offseason. However, the Steelers do have an opening at quarterback, so the Steelers will trade for a veteran starting quarterback this offseason. Field, take it or shake it.
1: Take it. Take Take it. it. There's just no way I can see this team going young. Now, Jerry Dulac, who joined us earlier in the show, who's extremely plugged in, noted that maybe Mason Rudolph is the most likely plan as of right now. And that could wind up being the case. It might be much of the chagrin of Steelers fans, but I think this team will find a way to be aggressive. They want to continue to win and win at a high level. Their best way of doing that is trading for a veteran
2: quarterback. I will take it as well. I know that Jerry said he didn't think it'd be like a high-priced one, like a Matt Ryan or an Aaron Rodgers, and then he thought maybe it'd be Russell Wilson. I don't know. That wasn't on Russ's list, but I could see it happening because you're not going to – like Mason Rudolph at best is a stopgap quarterback. I don't know what Dwayne Haskins is. So I think that they end up going to hopefully land somebody that wants out of their current destination.
1: Tom Brady pulled off a lot of things over the course of his 20-plus year career. The One question that we are now asking at this moment is, can anybody pull off what Tom Brady did last year? What does that mean? Is that the question you're asking right now? I'm asking the exact same question. Which year are we even referring to? We'll tell you that next. It's KJ&M on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80.
5: g J-Will, and Max, the podcast.